Hello, good day. This is Reverend Corey Morris of Hermitage and Chalky New Testament Church of God. And today we're going to talk about a general overview of the Old Testament. Okay, so here we are once again. Um, uh, please ignore if you hear dogs barking in the background. That's just how these dogs dogs are. All right, so I want to talk about an overview of the Old Testament, and I'm doing this as a separate talk about because as we discuss things in the future, we need to have an understanding of um, Israel as a nation, how it how it how it was formed and things that occur to it as a nation when they went into the promised land with Moses. And it, it, it might seem a bit boring, but it's going to become very important because I want to do a follow-up on the talk about meaningless religion and I want to do a focus on the Samaritan woman, but without a background of understanding the Samaritans, I think um, the podcast might not be as effective. So I'm doing this as a standalone podcast just to give an overview of the nation of Israel, our basic understanding of the Old Testament. All right? And, I, and if it's too long, I might split it into a couple of segments. But um, most of us would have known or heard about Abram, who is this one of the central figures when you talk about Israel and the formation of Israel as a nation. As you know, Abram would have come on the scene about 2,000 years before Christ. 2,000 years BC. That's before Christ came. Abram was a historical figure who existed about 2,000 years, um, as I said before, before Jesus. And he was commissioned by God. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is in Babylon. And while living in Babylon, where they were worshipping idols, Yahweh... Um, gave him a revelation of himself how exactly it came to pass i don't know but this is that he actually heard the voice of yahweh say come out leave and i will you know i'm going to make you a great nation and um abram at that time he was called abram he left in faith believing that you know this god would carry out um, the functions that he said he would carry out because at that time um the entire nation if almost most of the known world they were just worshiping all types of gods um everybody would have their own gods in fact it is it is uh, alluded to by many comment um commentaries that abram his his family was they actually made idols so he didn't have to look far for um multiple gods because his family was actually a family that made these idols that people would worship so it started with abram and um of course it's a very familiar story that abram abram's wife sarah was barren and um god had promised abram that he would have descendants as as much as the sons and the seashore and um that was a promise given to abram he was about 75 when he left um sarah would have been about 65 and he left or of the chaldeans not having any children and going into traveling that i think that would be to to i'd say it's to the it's to the west you'd be going to the west and traveling from babylon um through um i'm not exactly sure i think probably it'd go through assyria and coming back down into palestine 
um, that's where he, 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 he would have traveled that length and breadth of that land. So throughout his lifetime, Abraham walked through Palestine or Cana, setting up camps, um, tent, but he didn't own any property. So he was just here walking up and down because God had promised him that wherever his feet, um, the sole of his feet trotted, he would give it to his descendants as their inheritance or their promised land. All right. So Abraham's story you now went on barren but at about 100 years old his wife being about 90 um sarah became pregnant and uh, i'm not going to go into all of the history of abram because that's i'm just giving an overview for the whole sake of getting to the nation so they, they are in israel they are in palestine canaan they are just a small family um, um that would be abram along with sarah and isaac i'm not going to count ishmael and hagar because they would have moved on by the time Abraham's life would have come to an end, it would, would have just been that little family group that God would be working on to build up, build up um, Palestine or build up Cana. Now, what we need to understand that because of Abraham having um, Ishmael, Abraham is not just the father of um, Israel, but Abraham is actually the father of the Arabs, um, Muslims. All of them see Abraham as a central figure. So up to Abraham, um, there is a everybody identifies in Abraham, even Muslims, right? Because he they, they would have come from Abraham in that era. Because remember, all of the other all of the other persons who were living in that land would have been destroyed eventually. So all of those people who live in Palestine, they kind of identify with Abraham. So Abraham is not an individual that is central to the Christian religion, and that's what that's what makes the Bible um such a more um weight is on the bible because when you go to the middle east nobody questions abraham and nobody's asking stupid questions like is white man create the bible because you'd recognize that outside of the bible abraham is a central figure at a crossroad that multiple um religious groups identify with him all right arabs muslims and, and christians jews they identify with abraham because he he he, he predates um, Israel as a nation, right? So I'm not going to spend too long on Abraham. That might be a separate thing. So Abraham has Isaac. Isaac is in the promised land. Um, he, he, he lives in the promised land and his narrative in the Bible is pretty short. He doesn't give a lot of trouble. I think just one time a famine came up and God told him to stay in the land. He sowed in the land and God prospered him even in the time of famine. And then Isaac now has two children, um, Jacob and Esau, twins but very different characters and um jacob as would have known he would have worked it out so he stole the birthright because he would have been the younger of the two um just by a couple of minutes i'm gonna assume because they were born on the same day so he's the younger of the two and um he worked out a way that he actually took the birthright from esau and so the birthright was switched over from esau to jacob now in terms of a biblical context the birthright that he told was really just really just that the messiah would come through his lines i am sure if we could go back now and tell jacob that what he was really stealing was actually that he would have the privilege to know that the messiah came through his lineage i'm not so sure whether i've gone through all of that trouble maybe not if i am if i'm looking at the earlier jacob but the truth of the fact, fact is that that's really was the promise if you look at both their lives you'd have recognized that both Esau and jacob were very prosperous um, throughout their life so it wasn't um it wasn't just a, a lifetime blessing he was really wrestling for 
the, the, the fact that the Messiah would come through his line, the only real benefit he would have had is that to know that his family would survive to this day. Uh, we're not sure if there's any um, anybody from Esau's family, the Edomites who are still alive right now. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So we're following, we're tracking. So it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esau, they're still in the land, right? So Jacob now, um, he begins to have some th- children through his two his two wives and their, their 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 maids and he starts to have a lot of kids he has 12 sons and i think one daughter to my knowledge right now the 12 sons are very integral as we go because we're gonna you have to remember that he has 12 sons i'm not gonna call out all their name but you have to remember names like like um names that's going to be very important is one of them was called judah levi and joseph and that's going to be very important to remember those names when I come down a bit further. So you can write that down on a piece of paper. If you want, you can skip to the book of Genesis, probably 40-something coming up. You'll see the names of these these, these sons of, of Jacob, right? So we have Jacob. Now, Jacob is still very important because um, there's a point in Jacob's life when he's going back home after working for Laban and doing his trick business. He's heading back home, heading back to Canaan. Um, and while he's heading back to Canaan land, he's heard that he heard that his brother is coming and he begins to wrestle with God for help. And while he's wrestling with God, God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. So that's how the name Israel comes on the scene. Israel is not just a nation, but it was actually a person, um, Jacob, whose name was switched to Israel, right? So um, as we move along, we find that Israel now has 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 his 12 sons. And um, his favorite is Joseph, and we know the story. They hate Joseph, so they send him to Egypt. And when Joseph goes to Egypt, eventually, uh, because of a famine, the rest of the family comes down to Egypt. About 52 or 72, somewhere in that ballpark, one of those figures, of, of the family of Israel goes down to Egypt during a time of famine. And that kind of closes off Genesis, that closes off the book of Genesis right that closes off the book of genesis so the book of genesis ends it's it's one man um who starts with one man abram and then by the time we enter it's a family it's a large family about 72 people cousins hello good day all right so we're continuing with the story of the introduction or understanding the Old Testament. When we stopped the last time, we stopped with Joseph and the his is the family of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham this time, going down to Egypt um, to live with Joseph. So I, I'm going to try to speak through the narrative because most of this would have been, it's easy to understand most of this. So I just want to get to some of the things that might not be so easy to understand. So Joseph goes down and they are the family of Abraham. Right? So let me see if I can if I can go back on my chart and see where I'm at. So they, they go down to Egypt when the book of Genesis ends. They are heading to Egypt about 52 um, persons, maybe 70, going down to 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 Egypt because there's a famine in Canaan. So they're moving down towards Africa. Um, they're heading towards that kind of the Africa, um, African continent or the continent of Africa. They're heading towards that era and they're passing to Egypt. They're going to Egypt, right? So they stop in Egypt 
And while they are in Egypt, um, 400 years pass, but they skip the page in Genesis. As Genesis ends, I open the page in, in Exodus, you find that 400 years have passed. And while the family of Abraham and the sons of Israel, they have multiplied in terms, they have become numerous um, as a people group. They have now transitioned from just being a, a large family to a nation. And the, the, the name Israel is now transferred over to them. They are now called the Israelites um, as descendants of Israel who was originally Jacob. Alright, so ignore the dogs in the background. I, I have no time to start over about the recording. Alright, so we find that they are now in, in Egypt and Pharaoh has risen up against them. Pharaoh is not inclined towards them. He has a negative disposition towards them and he is oppressing them severely. They are under form of slavery. It's not the slavery that we experience in the Caribbean. And we experience shuttle slavery where you, you didn't you didn't own anything. Your children, you didn't own your children, your slave master owned your children and so on. But in Egypt they would have had their own homes, probably their own vegetable gardens. To some extent a man would have his wife. And um of course this when it started to get real bad, where Pharaoh's now saying you have to throw your children into the Nile. I think God, that's one of the points where God began to rise up along with the taskmasters because they were being driven to build these huge monuments. Uh, most of which we can see today if we go down to Egypt, they are still there. So under this kind of pressure, God rises up this new leader by the name of Moses and he sends, he sends Moses on the mission to um, become an instrument by which um, the people of Israel could be delivered so they could go back into the land that God promised Abraham. So they are in Egypt out of the promised land and God sends Moses and you know the story, the ten plagues, the Passover, the parting of the Red Sea, fear of drowning and they go into the wilderness now on their way back into the land. So that wilderness is actually that kind of, is actually that place, that, that territory between Cana and Egypt. So you have to walk up to Egypt so you had to walk down to Egypt and walk back up to Canaan. So they are heading back to the land that Abraham was walking up and down in for his life that God promised that God promised him. So they go into the wilderness and it doesn't go favorably for them. Many begin to look back to Egypt. Not only look back to Egypt, they murmur, they complain. And there's a lot of things that happen that cause most of the male. By the time we get to Numbers, the book of Numbers, we find that um, the men going to the promised land 12 spies now so they took a spy out of every tribe but i want to fix this up for you right so the 12 persons who went in was a member from every tribe now the 12 tribes are not the 12 sons of jacob there's a slight variation so jacob had 12 sons and if you remember originally i said to write down the names judah um joseph and Levi, well, you didn't have to write on Judah, but so what happens now is that the 12 tribes are actually the, the, the 12 sons minus Joseph and Levi. So Joseph, when he was in Egypt, he had two sons, one Manasseh and one Ephraim, right? Now, when the, um, Abraham was dying, sorry, when Jacob was dying, he laid his hands on, on Joseph's two children and he blessed them. So Joseph's blessing and possession moved over to his two sons, right? So his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, they, they, are, now, they are now the tribes, two tribes in Israel. 
So you don't have any tribe named Joseph. You have a tribe named Manasseh and you have a tribe by the name of Ephraim. Now, in order to not have that ad number 13, God said to the Levites that they are not going... Well, I don't say that's why God did it, but it just worked out itself like that. God chose the Levites to not have any position in Canaan. So just imagine Canaan was like Jamaica. You have a lot of people coming into Canaan and we're going to split the, 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 the island into 12 parishes and every family group is going to get a parish. Right? So if you come from Ephraim, or your father was Ephraim, your great-grandfather, great-great-great-grandfather was Ephraim, you're going, to, you're going to take center and you're going to call that Ephraim. And we're going to call that Manasseh. And you're going to call that, over that part, you'd call that Judah. And down you call that Benjamin. you call that Dan, um, Naphtali, and all of the other strange names that the, the rest of Israel's sons have. So, they, they, so it's not the 12 sons predominantly, but it is 12 tribes. Because there's a slight name change, we, we substitute Joseph's name out, we substitute out um, Levi's name, and we put in Manasseh and Ephraim. So that is the 12 tribes. So one man from the 12 tribes was sent to spy out the land. They came back, um, two came back with a good report, the other 10 had a negative report. And I don't know if that's going to play out later in the narrative. I'm going to check it out. But 10 had a negative report so they murmured and complained god punished them by saying nobody over the age of 21 because 21 was the age of fighting so at 21 you could go up and fight so because nobody over 21 wanted to go up and fight apart from um joshua and um joshua and caleb god said no person over 21 is going to live to go in the land you're going to walk around in the wilderness and so and so that happened 40 years they walk around um, even Moses himself, though he was he original was not a part of that number, Moses himself was not permitted to go in because of some issues that happened with Moses and Iraq. And instead of him speaking to the rock, he struck the rock and God said, not going because you're disobedient. So that's where we are. So they go into the promised land under Joshua. And when they go into the promised land, um, the, the land is portioned out over the 12 tribes. Um, and we kind of move now from Joshua for a while. They have no leader. They are, they're just the nation. Um, people just worship God as they are to worship God according to the Torah. Because by the time you get to Joshua, Moses would have completed the first five books of the Bible, which we call the Torah. The entire Hebrew Old Testament is the Tanakh, but we call it the, the first five, the Torah or the Pentateuch or the law. Right? So the first five books. They would have had that. So basically they were supposed to be living by the regulations of the Torah to have a relationship with God. So as we move along now, they are in the land and we're progressing towards something. So just keep the narrative, understand the narrative. So then we move from Joshua and um, the people begin to fail after a while. And as they begin to fail and become more like their Canaanite neighbors, God would allow their enemies to afflict them and then rise up judges. So that's where we hear about Samson and Othniel and Japhthah and Barak and all of these great men who would Gideon and all of these people who would rise up to fight um, and lead Israel into great battles. So these were the judges. And right after the judges, the last judge we have, and kind of like the first kind of prophet judge we have is Samuel. So we after the judges, we have the last judge and a kind of prophet, Samuel, who we know the story of Hannah. So Samuel is on the scene. And after Samuel, now the people say, we don't want no more judge. We want a king. And this will start to get interesting. Wow. 
welcome again to another segment of talk about uh, understanding the Old Testament. So we ended um, with Samuel, uh, the last judge, and we're about to go into a new season in the life or the history of the nation of Israel. Because after Samuel, we're, we're going to find that the people are going to request that they have a king. And um, the first king who was appointed by Samuel is a gentleman by the name of Saul. And due to Saul's failures, God rejects Saul and he, he, he anoints or he chooses David uh, to be the king through whom there would be a monarchy. And what that means is that this king... His children are going to each 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 subsequent king will come um rise up out of the next generation of David's family line, right? So that becomes very central in the life of Israel. Because Israel now has, has now become a kingdom and that just a people group, um, not just a scattered set of people. They have they have now become a kingdom, having a king who is ruling over them and giving directions, and um he's operating separate from the priesthood. And the priest would still be doing their thing. You'd still have a high priest um, from the Levitical order. And um, they would still be doing their thing when it comes to the temple and sacrifice. But when it comes to like civil matters, then you'd have a king who would work out war plans and building developments and how to get the country going economically and all of these type of things. So they have that king now in place. Now, um, what we need to understand is that, though, that this begins to set up kind of like the fall of Israel. With the introduction of a king, it, it, it sets up the it's it's like a domino effect. It sets up it sets up the the platform for Israel to now crumble when they put a king in place. Because when they put the king in place, Saul was the first king and he was king over all the tribes, the twelve tribes. David came on the scene and he was king over all the twelve tribes. Solomon came on this the scene and Solomon was king over all the ten tribes of Israel. But if you read the narrative, what happened with Solomon, if you read, um, probably if you read uh, Kings Chronicles, you'd find that because Solomon was making political alliance with the nations around him, um, he actually was one, one of the few king who, for his entire time as king, there wasn't any real war against him. Um, most of it, he was a, he, he was a peaceful king. Um, no nation rose up against him. David dealt with most of the nations that were around. So when Solomon came to the throne, we find Solomon making political alliances with the nations and the people group around him. So he would take a wife from Pharaoh, um, take a daughter, one of Pharaoh's daughter, so that, you know, we have a political alliance because your daughter up here, so we don't, we don't have the need to war. And he would do it with other nations. And he would have all of these wives. And it is said that these wives begin to, you know, draw him to strange and foreign gods. Other than that, Solomon, um, he was very rich. And he would spend a lot of his time building cities and building great places, building up Israel. And he did this by taxing the people very severely. And he would um, overwork the people um, in order to build these great monuments and these great cities. So when Solomon died, Solomon at Solomon's death, Solomon's son um, Rehoboam, he took over for Solomon. And there was a guy by the name of Jeroboam. He, run, he, he escaped down to Egypt because Solomon was against him. Because he was saying that Solomon had gone. You know, Solomon was not act, acting 
correctly so Solomon wanted to kill him and he ran down to, to Egypt yes most of the persons that we know in the Bible some of them actually had some little negative things around them so when Rehoboam inherited the throne um, from Solomon um, Jeroboam came back and the people went to Rehoboam and said hey your father really give you a hard time with the tax you know we couldn't manage the whole of tax um, we're asking you to be more lenient to us if you deal with us good we will we'll allow you to be a king, our king but if you deal with us harsh we're just going to find somebody else to lead us and he he, he he came back and said my father will be nothing in comparison in other words that's what he said my father my, the whip of my father will be nothing in comparison to what I'm going to do with you guys so don't come beg me no mercy and when he did this something happened in Israel for the first time Israel became split from one nation to two nations having two kings. So those who live to the to the north, um, the ten tribes to the north, split away from Judah, that is down by Jerusalem. So ten of the tribes they split away, leaving only the tribe of Judah. That's why I say you need to remember that name. So the ten tribes that Manasseh, Dan, um, Naphtali. Ephraim, all of these tribes, they, they split away from the house of David and left Rehoboam alone and the people of Judah. Because Judah would have been Judah would have been his blood, you know. So they weren't gonna sell out their own blood because David, David came from the tribe of Judah. So only Judah was left under the control of the house of David. All the rest of tribes split away and they were now under the the king of this northern tribes which at this time was Jeroboam so you had Jeroboam and all the tribes kind of kind of gathering to the south so the people would gather to the south and they would they would they would Jeroboam was their king and down by the north you had um Rehoboam um from the house of David who was now the king all right so it's very important that we follow this narrative it's very important because what, what is happening now is that we're going to hear about when we're reading books like Kings and Chronicles and some of the prophetic books, you, you hear they mention Judah and Israel. And if you don't if you don't understand that that concept that the kingdom was split, you might be confused that why is God talking about Judah and Israel? Who is Judah? Where is Israel? What, what's the difference? Uh, it's two different nations. It's basically become two different nations. And what makes it worse or what compounds the split is that God had said to the entire 12 tribes that every about three times each year, three feasts, I'm not sure I'm going to tell you the three feasts exactly, but I think the Passover was one, um, Passover, what's the next one here, Pentecost, and of course, I think it's a feast of wheats, um, those three, three celebrations, every male I think 21 and over should come down to Jerusalem and worship God in Jerusalem. Now listen what Jeroboam did. And this is what will, 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 will bring about the subsequent cause of this, this another, the 10 northern tribes to become totally backslidden and idolatrous. He built two golden calves and he placed one at Dan, that is up in that southern region, and he placed one at Bethel. And he said to the people of the 10 tribes, don't go down to Israel. Because he said in his mind, if they go down there, they might, they might turn back to Yahweh and then come and kill me and then the whole nation come back together. So he sets up two golden calves. And when he sets up the golden calf, he said, worship God in the high places. Worship God up here. And that's going to be very important when we get to the New Testament and we talk about the woman of Samaria. So he, he, sets, up, he sets up these idols and for the duration of the northern kingdom, 
every king in the northern tribe is now seen as a bad king the ahabs and all of these wicked people they are up in the northern tribes that they're, they're up there and and that's where most of the prophetic work takes place early in israel's history as prophets begin to rise up and go up to the northern tribes and say they need to turn back to god because now they have turned away from god and they are worshiping golden calves and that would progress over many years till about 700 700 and something bc when assyria because of their constant backsliding god allowed assyria to march upon the northern tribes destroy them and take them into captivity um somewhere in assyria and that's where nineveh is nineveh is the capital of assyria so to this day they are considered as the last the last the lost tribes of israel because they did not they have not they did not recover so we have so we have judah down in the bottom now with jerusalem where the temple is they still have, exist but this the northern tribes they are taken into captivity now this is what this is something you need to understand while they're taken away there are still a few people who are left in that region and what the assyrians do they they, they bring in people to live in the land and while they're while they bring in people to live and probably they themselves are living there we have the jewish people who are left in the land which are the more the poorer set of people who they didn't think they have any use for they begin to intermarry with these 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 foreigners that were brought in and intermarry with the assyrians too and then what you have now is now a new breed of people who you guessed it in the new testament we call them samaritans so when you come to the new testament we find that there's a great hatred between the people of of the israelites and the samaritans because they're saying that the jewish people went and intermarried with the same people that came in and destroyed most of the northern tribes are all of the northern tribes so they begin to intermingle intermarry and you find that the samaritans their offsprings are now called samaritans they are half jew half um infidel or half gentiles right so about a hundred years later we find that um jerusalem is also destroyed by the babylonians um, because even though they had the temple they still backslid and god allowed babylon to come and destroy um jerusalem and at this point we have no more kings you have people who have the blood of the king in them or they come from the lineage of david so but there's no there's no there's no king on any throne god has god has removed the kings and what you'd find happening over um a few over a few centuries is that for about 400 years what you'd have is you'd have um babylon being ruler of judah and then when Babylon, the Babylonians are taken out by the Medes and the Persians, the Medes and the Persians, they don't become ruler over Judah. And then after Greece destroys uh, Medes and Persians, the Greece kind of keep them um, in bondage for a while. Then they get a little breakaway with, with the Maccabean rebellion. So some Jewish people revolt and then get a little freedom for a while until the Romans come down and they put and they take over and they start to rule israel again so so after the after zedekiah i think that's the king's name the last king or jokeniah one of them he after he dies there's no more king on the throne and that sets up the play for jesus to come in now because they're looking for a messiah they don't have any messiah because 400 years have passed since malachi to the writing of mark matthew luke and there's no king and everybody's looking for a king right and this is how the region is set up now um, the northern tribes have been destroyed there are some jewish people who live in a place called um galilee um which is the upper upper 
the upper portion of the southern tribes which were taken away by the Assyrians. But between Galilee and Jerusalem, the Samaritans lived there. And that's why when you read the Bible, you say um, Jesus traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem. And that's why you hear people say they wouldn't travel there because Samaritan lived there. That's because the land has been now, um, it's no longer completely occupied by the Jews. Um, the Samaritans are there, which technically are kind of Jewish, kind of mixed Jews. And then up the top, Galilee, that's where Jesus lived. And then down the bottom now, you have Jerusalem where the temple is at. So it's a brief overview. Um, there's more I can say. But I wanted to set that up before we go to the narrative of the woman at the well. Because I wanted to just give you an overview. And maybe I might refer you back to this audio or this, this particular podcast so that you can have a basic understanding of the Old Testament. Or there's much more that I could have said. But um, we don't want to drown you. I don't want to drown you with information. But this is a good basic overview of the Old Testament. So you can get an understanding of the nations being separated and um, how Jesus is going to have to operate when we come in the New Testament because of what has happened in the Old Testament. All right, God bless you. I pray that you have been informed and do your own reading. And um, I pray that even when you go back to the text, you'd read it with the understanding of what's happening in the Old Testament. God bless you.